establishing relationships and bonds can happen over shared goals. Like you said, mentioning voting, no matter what that looks like, mm -hmm. our values, interests, things that we love to do tend to create those collective experiences for me. Hi, I'm Teresa, and welcome to the podcast that explores the stories the body holds and the stories the body tells. I'm Sherry, and our aim is to connect the individual to the collective through our shared stories of living in a body. And each week, Sherry and I pick a different topic and have a casual conversation. This is Anecdotal Anatomy. This episode is all about the part of our mission that is about connecting the individual to the collective. You know, we want to share the stories that our bodies hold and tell, and they are often shared stories because we all share this experience of living in a body, but it's our unique experience. And so the more we share our stories, the more we're able to make those connections to this interdependence, to this web that we're all connected and a part of. And so that is, that is our theme today. So I'm going to jump off right away with these connecting the individual to the collective, <laughs> or maybe connective would be a better word because I'm jumping right into science, right? So connective tissue, the fascia. And when we talk about joining the individual to the collective, the very first thought I have was what a huge collection of cells that we are. All these tiny, tiny little individual components that are surrounded in a body, our food body, our skin, our kosha they're all connected inside into a universe that is, well, I'm going to say that is me or that is you. But each and every individual component is connected to the whole. And that's what makes up this holistic being. But you and I did kosha yoga at Yoga Fest this, this weekend, which is all of our individual layers. And when I talk about fascia as being the connective tissue, it might sound like that's all anamaya kosha. This is our physical body. But it's also known as the great communicator because it houses our ability to connect with our senses and all of the receptors that are communication receptors for the mind, body, and spirit. Of course, we breathe through the physical body. So I started with thinking, oh, yeah, well, I'm just going to talk about the Anamaya Kosha, this physical body where the fascial system lives. But the more it processed, in a way, you know, and I might be making a leap here for anybody who is a awesome, uh, purist in, you know, the functions of fascia. But for me, I like to play on the edges a little bit. And You're a poet and a philosopher as well as a scientist and a beautiful teacher. So you get to do that here. Yeah, I get to like have that conversation with, you know, the individual to the collective, both in the physical body, but in the communication and how we show up as holistic beings. I had so much fun at the presentation at Yoga Fest this weekend. Me, me too. And you talk about connective tissue. Speaking of connective tissue, Trina, who ran the entire thing from concept to, to creation and manifestation, she has become something of a connective tissue in our local yoga community. When we were in quarantine and after George Floyd, we did some Black Lives Matter. She just 
She amassed the yoga teachers. We got people to come on and sing and read poetry and do practices. And then she comes out and she, she's got a little kid too. And she all of a sudden, she's working full time. She has this idea to do this Bucks County Yoga Fest. And I cannot tell you how impressed I was how she pulled it all together. She is amazing. And so I just want to say that out to Trina, that she is the connective tissue. She is something, she is connected and united. So the vendors, the teachers, the participants, the food trucks, people came out on a rainy, damp, cold kind of day. And the people who showed up were, were there to, to make it happen. And she was the glue. She was the one. So, you know, in this world of interdependence, we're all connected. None of this could have happened without all the individuals who came to create this experience of wholeness for so many. And just deep bow to you, Trina, for all that you do in this community. You started something really special, and I'm excited to, to see how things grow. Yeah, and I've heard and seen in posts through social of not only the teachers, but many of the participants that I knew and whose feeds I follow, all saying, in quotes, the first of. Like everybody had such a great time and was so excited that they are saying the first and Bucks I love County. That you, I love that you said it that way. I called it the inaugural, but I, one of my pet peeves, first annual, how do you know? Mm. Until the second one comes, you just don't know if it's an annual thing. You got to get that second one before you get to say first. <laughs> That's just one of my little pet peeves. So I love that you said first of. First of. So hopefully um, we will be there again next year. And, you know, rainy days can be something where people are like, uh, well, I'm just not going to go or whatever. But it was so well attended and our class was full. Um, I stayed, Valerie and Ian from Rainbows of Healing were doing a sound healing directly in the same room after our class. So I stayed for that, which was amazing. They gave me selenite. Mm. Uh, so it's my third piece of selenite one of the things i didn't understand was its cleansing properties and how selenite this is very brief and so it's from my memory but valerie was sharing with us that selenite doesn't absorb negative and one of the suggestions was to put it by the front door put it by your windows put it in the corner mm. of a room to create this very like positive welcoming part of your home so I did exactly that. I came back and I put them in my windows. In Don't my get it home. wet. Don't oh. get it wet. Okay. I think it's selenite. I think it was selenite that I had that sort of dissolved under. It's not salt, but it, it's not as strong as, say, a, a quartz or something. It can dissolve. So don't get it wet. Don't let Siva lick it. I won't. She did share that it was a very, very soft mm -hmm. stone. And that you could scratch into it. So now I know that it might melt. So I'll remember. Well, it'll be a reminder Dissolve. to close my windows. If <laughs> Don't get the selenite wet. Don't get the selenite wet. Uh -huh. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, to just look around and see the examples of, of this uniting and this connecting and this awareness of our you know, individual to the collective, we don't have to look any further than our country's motto, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. You know, sometimes one out of many, one from many, but out of many, one. And I think that speaks so, it speaks volumes. And I mean, as an overarching motto, but then you think like I was in chorus and choir for years, choir in the religious set setting and chorus at school. 
for many, many years. I traveled, I did American music abroad and sang in many different countries. I sang in Notre Dame Cathedral. Uh, but what was incredible about each one of these experiences was the practicing of the different, you know, alto, soprano, tenor, bass. But then within those groups of voices were the individual voices. And I kind of fluctuated between alto and tenor for a while. I was, I'm a former smoker and my voice was much deeper then. But listening to the individuals to get the key, I'm not perfect pitch, but I sat next to someone who was. So I would listen to her for the note and then kind of go, but then when all of the four parts and all of the individuals within those four parts come together to create one sound, to create an experience that without any of those parts would have changed the experience, not better or worse, but that each person was, the individual was required to create this collective experience. It, it's everywhere you look. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, families are an individual and collective. I am uh, lucky enough, and my brother might say, having seven brothers and sisters is both our blessing and our curse. You know, if something's going on, you can plan to be on the phone all night long because it takes a long time to talk to that many people and uh, catch up. But, you know, being born into a family, I'm number five. So, you know, some came after me. So the collective continued to grow and get bigger. But, you know, I often say I have a sibling for every emotion that I have. I have a sibling for every joy or every bit of advice I need. You just, you know, when you have that many people who are close to you and in your family, you know that if you need something, there is always the right person. And if you're you lucky, know, if you're lucky, if you're not everyone. <laughs> you know, that's true. Yeah. I am very lucky. And I'll just give a shout out to my siblings. You know, as you, the listeners know, I recently moved. All of my siblings showed up in one way or the other, either to carry, empty a box, moral support. Uh, one of my siblings was ill, so she wasn't able to show, but still found a way to participate and offer her, you know, her moral support. Mm -hmm. uh, but as each of us are individuals and have our own lives and our own growing families, right, we still have this collective, this nucleus of where the family began, you know, my siblings. But one of the things my family is very good at is reproducing. So <laughs> yeah. those, oh those lines keep growing and growing and we always have a baby coming to um, have just one more being in our collective. It mm. takes a village. Right. And the collective is beyond our vision. You know, it's not just our nuclear families. It's families we haven't met living across the globe who are still part of our collective energetic experience in this world. I think as teachers, it's very humbling when we can have this awareness of the awareness that we are all connected. Because then, like you say, when you, when you realize that you weren't just touching the people on the table, they were touching you back, that as a teacher... Our students aren't just our students, they're our teachers too. <clears throat> so, you know, to allow that commute, that communal energy to, wasn't communal I was looking for, but that works too, the continuum of energy to expand exponentially as we continue to grow our vision of what the collective entails, because it's really everything and everyone. And so, you know, we start with the things that are familiar. We start with the things we can see. But then, you know, even something is not simple, but I'm voting, individuals voting for their hearts. Now, I'm not saying which way you're supposed to vote, but when you let your individual voice be heard, 
and that creates an outcome, you're a part of that experience, that decision-making on a bigger level that will affect many people. And so, you know, it's, there's a lot of things like that that show up. Yeah. Paying taxes. Um, <laughs> you know, I find that when I'm, and I've always been more of a quiet person. If I go into the party, I'm not the person who's, although my mother would always say, mingo, 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 go, go meet people. I think I've said that before. I generally find a smaller group. I'm not the person who goes in and talks to every single person, although I'm getting much better at my mom's voice in the back of my head that says mingle and talk to more. But what I found is that when I really want to feel like I'm a part of something, a part of a larger group, it's usually based on a personal interest or something that I like to do. And that's some of the things that I found out that if I want to find a bigger group to feel like part of the community, to feel like I belong, to start to establish bonds and relationships, the most beneficial way for me is to explore the things I love to do. For instance, taking group yoga classes led me on a journey to being a yoga teacher, to becoming part of a community. And that was in a number of studios, most recently the Flower of Life, which is in Morrisville, but my home studio prior to that was the Prancing Peacock. But also other things like I like to ride bikes. So riding bike paths, I tend to meet people who love to do the same thing or here in my new neighborhood, which I found a really funny thing. When you walk your dog and you don't already know your neighbors, the first thing people do when you meet them is introduce their dog. I know the dog's names of everybody in my community that I pass, but for some reason, humans or the humans that I'm interacting with, myself included, have to remember to also then share our <laughs> own name. <laughs> yes, yes. But, you know, this establishing relationships and bonds can happen over shared goals. Like you said, mentioning voting, no matter what that looks like, mm -hmm. our values, interests, things that we love to do tend to create those collective experiences for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think there are many different experiences of being in collective. It's a direct experience of being in a small group, a medium group, a larger group, you know, going on the Boston, New York AIDS ride. I knew like four people and I left coming home with 150 new friends, you know, you're riding out and everyone in Boston, there were hundreds of people, you know, screaming and yelling for us, didn't know any of them, was never going to see them again, but they had a direct impact on me. But then there's also the collective that it will always be unseen, but felt and known, accepted, aware of, and all of that. And it, it just, you know, when things come up and there are marches or you're doing a play, it doesn't matter what it is. Everyone is required. When you're putting on a play, yeah, you need the person who's going to write the play. You need the person who's going to direct the play, the person who's going to act in, the people who are going to act in it. The stage crew, you need props, you need scenery, you need all of the people who are going to make it happen. And in the same way, if you're a social justice warrior, we need frontline warriors out there doing the hard, but then we also need people writing copy. We need people, you know, writing, you know, coming up with slogans. It's every, not everyone is going to show up in the same way, you know, and I, and it goes to this thing of shame again. And I know that I've talked about this before and I want to like dive deep into this, that, you know, why aren't you this or not doing that? That 
just because I may be receding, ebbing, you know, not going further to my edge, as we've talked about before, doesn't mean I'm not present and that my energy is not contributing to the collective. You know, I think that we all have ideas of what it means to contribute to the collective and there are no wrong answers. You know, being alive means you are already contributing to the collective. Sometimes it's more in a direct way and sometimes it's an unaware or more passive or whatever. But I don't think that we need to judge one way or the other. And I'm not saying you are. And I, and I don't, I think sometimes I may have defaulted to in the past up until now, I do feel like my practices have led me to a place where I'm much more accepting of whatever the experience is. You know, mm. Sometimes we need to do a little more. Sometimes we're not doing enough, but sometimes not doing enough is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Whatever yeah, and we, we are talking about the individual to the collective. And, and so those are the same and two separate entities of this larger social fabric. Sometimes it's important for us to take that time and just be like, this is my time to cocoon in, to care for myself, to really take the time to, like you said, uh, by meditating in our personal practices, that is some of the things that kind of moves us forward along that collective path of how we show up and how we interact with others. So, you know, we're, we're, currently speaking about the collective, but not to minimize the individual either. And the time spent to figure out self, which for me is an ever, never ending. <laughs> I, I don't think you're alone in that. And I didn't mean to imply that. Oh, at no, all. I didn't I think feel that, that. The individual is necessary, even when she's not doing anything, she's still contributing to this collective. That was, I hope that got clear. Yes, that yeah. did. Definitely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, if we keep breathing, we're contributing. And, right, you know, to the air a hundred years from now. Exactly. <laughs> what was that season one when we talked about like how long that breath lasts? Our exhale will be breathed, you know, by our okay. great, great, great grandchildren. So this is a good place for a joke. I did ask ChatGPT to come up with a very funny joke. And I tried to get it in Seinfeld's voice. I tried to do it in Steve Hofstetter's voice. I tried Joan Rivers' voice. But we're all crap. But this one made me laugh. So why don't scientists trust the atom? Because they make up everything. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, it is. there. <laughs> See, and when we were in our class the other day talking about the science and the stories, and they said, and there's these times that I really uh, like, it touches my heart because Sherry starts talking about science and you're like, I hope I get it right. And there you go. Now you're doing sciencey Adam jokes. <laughs> it's all scripted. It's all scripted. No, it's right here. I can, uh, yes. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so what happens? So what are some of the positive things about our mission of kind of bringing the individual into the collective? I did do some background research on this. And I really loved the first thing that came up in my research, and that was the sense of belonging. You know, I really find comfort in belonging in different types of groups. You know, I started talking about, you know, the comfort of being part of a collective. I have a very large family that gets together quite often. So it's an established collective. And there's a real sense of belonging when I walk into an event that's hosted by any one of 
the people in my family. I know everybody. I know their names. I probably know some of their birthdays. But I certainly know that when I walk into that space, there's this feeling of belonging, as well as knowing that, again, what I had said and alluded to earlier, I have resources if I need advice, I need help, kind of having a family. I've got this built-in set of resources and support. Some of the other things like Yoga Fest, being a part of that community really kind of spoke to my desires to want to be collaborative and cooperative into some of these larger yoga groups to, you know, I felt really proud to be one of the presenters in the first of, and hopefully many more to come. And first um, does imply second. So I don't want to like sound like a dick yeah, or anything. No. It's just it's a personal thing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you certainly do not. But we were definitely part of the cooperative group of people who were like, this is a great idea. And we're going to show up, collaborate, and offer our gifts to whoever is there who wants to partake in receiving those gifts. So there's so many benefits of, uh, for me, of feeling strong in who I am individually, but then also being able to be a part of additional groups and collectives for learning and growing and collaborating and just, you know, being a part of something that I feel was really important. And, you know, at least for a couple of days, everybody's talking about it. Who was there on our mm -hmm. social? There was, I ran into people I hadn't seen in a long time, you know, pre-COVID who all showed up. And so, so many hugs and uh, reconnections was another part of, making the decision when you and I discussed it to be in part of that collective to show up. And, you know, and I, I'm sure that there's a semantic difference and nuance, but I don't really know what it is. When we talk about the collective, for me, that feels like huge. It feels almost unfathomable. But to take the idea of the collective into the fathomable feels like community. And so the communities with which we connect, that we belong, that we inter with whom we interact, you know, all of these things feel a personal connection to community. Sometimes the more unfathomable, and this is just my making it up because I don't know that this is actually a thing, but when I imagine this collective of unseen people, it requires more effort for me to, to make those connections fire up. I have an understanding, an, almost an academic understanding, that we are all connected. I believe that. It's a very strong, hardwired belief system in me. Sometimes I forget. You know, sometimes I forget that to care as much about what's going on in, you know, different countries and different places where there's famine, drought, you know, all sorts of crazy things going on that could use a little more attention. And in some strange way, if I were to travel to those places and become part of those communities, then that direct experience would inform that belief system in a more animated, meaningful way. So part of this practice, you know, we started with plan B, progress on the path. All of these things are leading up to and leading up to what? I don't know. But it all kind of converges at these crossroads where we get to examine how we show up and for whom we show up. You know, I there's a, a one of the immeasurables, the four immeasurables is there's love and compassion and joyful effort and equanimity. But so this idea, I had one teacher who said, now draw a circle, an imaginary circle 
around the people that you bring into your, you know, that there's um, immeasurable love. Well, that circle unconditionally, the big L is is kind of big. Small L, it's a little smaller. And if you make it like, it's even smaller than that. But the idea was not that we can automatically include the entire universe of the collective into the circle of love or compassion or joyful effort or equanimity, but that every day maybe we can include one or two more people. What maybe every day we can expand that circle to include a little bit more, maybe a circumstance, a memory, an opportunity, a person, a, a group of people, whatever it may be. And thinking about it like that in incremental steps, it gives me hope that I can increase that circle because when it's too big and too unfathomable, it's harder to work with. And that sort of brings in this idea of like you were talking about belonging. And I don't know if it was Brene Brown or Glennon Doyle or someone who talked about the difference between trying to fit in somewhere and that feeling of belonging. Fitting in is about trying to you know, impress upon the other people. It's more external, I think. But that feeling of belonging, like you said, you walk in and you just feel like you belong. So it is clear that that community, that collective, that experience is one that, that, you, that you feel belonging to. But then how do you translate or move that experience into another, say, go mingle, work the room kind of thing in a community of strangers that maybe you do already belong? You know, we're, we're a little different in the way we approach the big room. I'm out there working the room. Like I'm out there talking to people, going in, and I may not linger. And I, if it's too much small talk, I tend to move along. Um, but I do recognize the value of small talk for a small window of time in order to go deeper. If I get to the point where I know it's not going any deeper, it's just going to keep on being about the weather and how things are going, then I'm going to move on. But it's not a judgment. It's just that's how I need to sort of connect with. But they're still part of the collective. And we need, we need the small talkers as much as we need the deep thinkers. We need everyone on deck to create this collective. I can tell you going from I knew that I belonged to feeling awkward in groups. Like, you know, it's interesting. Like I said, my family is seven siblings and we all have families and there's a lot of us. So for somebody who is used to being in a crowd whenever there's a holiday or a party and that sense of belonging and being able to walk in and feel completely at ease and comfortable is something I really treasure because walking into a room full of people and a party that I don't really know very many people, I, I arrived kind of awkward and, you know, looking for who I, how I can work the room or who I can talk to or where I'm going to be. It takes me a little bit of time to feel that sense of ease and comfort. And I'll say, I grew up in a group, but that doesn't mean I love groups. No, no. And, and you're yeah. not required to. No. You know, when, no. I, when I was sick, and I'm still sort of, you can tell, just getting over it, but I'm feeling more alive today. I started rewatching Ally McBeal <laughs> from 1997, which feels like yesterday, but I know it's decades ago. And I'd forgotten how brilliant it was. And this isn't so much the individual to the collective as much as me feeling like I belong with the crazy people that, that like David Kelly's vision of this show. It, her imaginary world is lived outside. And sometimes I feel that myself. I have a very active imagination and, and that gives me confidence because I don't, I don't just keep it inside my head. 
I kind of allow it to to leak out of my ears and my eyes and out of my fingers. And I can imagine that I'm zapping some magic across over there. And it gives me a sense of of ground. And so I, I think that that's part of it. But when I was younger, it was very awkward, you know, trying to find, you know, it, it, it was more about fitting in than understanding about the belonging. And once I realized that I belong to myself and I'm fucking fabulous, like if you don't want to hang out with me, that's up to you. Like you're fucking lost. And I don't say that as an egotist, just like I'm confident of who I am and and I don't really care anymore as much if, you know, if you want to hang out. <laughs> I've got plenty of people who want to hang out. But there's this this feeling of connectivity of you know, we can connect through our imaginations. We connect through these invisible waves that that allow us to be both awkward and a little bombastic at the same time. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, I know I do and others may as well. There are just some groups that we know and you were mentioning it's hard to see the collective the further away it gets to recognize our connectivity throughout the, you know, the community. The family, the community, the state, the country, just keep going. You can billow out. But we all have, hopefully, some places where we feel like we are belonging to a collective. Maybe it's the places where we practice our own spiritual traditions, whether it's our church or the yoga studio or the synagogue. Wherever those spiritual traditions and community is, many people find that as one of the places of feeling both like they're belonging and you know how do we contribute to that collective and maybe it's small things you can't oh i can't always tell what my participation is going to look like but i like getting things from local businesses if i can i like getting my food from the local farm and Going to the farm on the same day, Saturday mornings was my day to go to Snipes and, and get my food. And now I switched it to Thursdays that I moved because now I know I can do that. But there's, I, I ran into the same people who love to eat that type of diet. So walking in and out, sometimes it was just a, hi, how are you this week? And sometimes it was like, what recipe are you going to make with this mystery greens that I've never eaten before. And neither of those experiences is more or less connecting you to that collective. You are already part of it, yeah. right? Like that's that's the beauty of this interconnected web of of what we are a part of. Like I, it just, it, it's kind of mind blowing, you know? And for example, like my friend Mindy, she works tirelessly for the Interfaith Food Pantry. I, that's not something that I'm not going to be on the front line of that, but I can thank her for giving me the opportunity to give there because when she does a drive, which I, I missed this last one, but I can put stuff in my car and take it to her place knowing that it's going to get there. So, you know, or even just, you know, with the post people come and, you know, leave the bags out and put things there, that there are people doing the leg work. There are people doing the mind work. There are people doing, you know, the financial work. There's There's always something, a way to to access that energy, whether or not it's tangible or whether or not it's even recognized. I mean, it's we don't move through our lives necessarily thinking about these connections, but if we're practicing and we're aware of our awareness, we can begin to see how those things connect. And, and you know, I have to say, sometimes it makes me feel like, almost like I don't belong more than I do in in a big picture way. So when I hear certain pundits or I hear certain other, you know, 
large swaths of people who believe things that are different than what I believe doesn't mean that we're not still connected. Doesn't mean that we're not still part of the same collective. I just don't, I, sometimes I just wonder, do I belong to this? You know, and that's academic. That's just me trying to rationalize how I fit in to something I already belong to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I, I like the way you said that. There's something we already belong to. If we are moving around on this earth, we're already part of the collective. We may not think in those terms. We may even at times not even act mindfully or intentionally with that in the forefront of our decision making of what we're going to do or how we're going to do it. But we're inseparable. Right. It's really hard to walk on this planet, eat this food, you know, be a part of a family, a town, whatever it an is. Ecosystem. That you, an ecosystem. Yes, an ecosystem. Yeah. And today, you know, uh, the more the human world being a part of that. Uh, when I was talking to you this morning and we were prepping, I even said, oh, my goodness, look, there's another chipmunk. It's the second chipmunk I've seen today. I didn't. I <laughs> what did you it. find out about it? I didn't get a chance to look it up yet, but. Two chipmunks in one morning. I've never seen, I haven't seen any in forever. I also have that same relationship with seeing way too many ticks lately, and I'm not so curious about them at all. But ugh. anyway, but as far as getting back to individuals and collectives, you know, the other thing that is so prevalent now that may not have been five years ago or 10 or 15 years ago, depending on how far this conversation goes, is online communities. You know, during COVID, online communities became a norm that although previous to COVID, of course, there were online communities and learning and hybrid type courses that you could take and different ways of communicating. But COVID seemed to make it a household thing for in many communities. So again, that wasn't always the case. Right. But one of the things that has really captured my attention was, and I'm just going to speak in yoga, how many people decided that they wanted to stay in an online yoga community and not go back into a studio to practice? That they, it felt to me when people were talking and I was listening to the individual and the collective, that being in the online community in their own home was kind of this beautiful blend of setting up their own space in their house so that they had a personal practice, but also it was led. And I've had a few people have taken my online courses who said, well, once I set up the place to take the class, my personal practice accelerated as well because now I had a place to do yoga in my house. So individual and collective in that online community. Our kickoff for this podcast was an online party when, a year ago last December. So this really speaks to also, I mean, yes, sometimes it's ideal to be in person and we prefer to do our programs live, but community is not limited to being in the same room. And because we now get to live in a global community, maybe our awareness of those connections will increase. You know, there are some people who love to travel and I, I was one of them for a long time. I'm I'm less inclined today as much as when I was younger. I do miss there are places I still want to go. But traveling is one of the best ways to, to connect with 
with this idea that we are more than who we think we are and that we are connected to something bigger and something more unseen. But in the absence of those opportunities to be able to, you know, we are number 11 in the United Arab Emirates. Go figure. Go figure. We have, pe we have people listening to us in Thailand. We have people listening to us in Singapore, in Australia. So, you know, and it, it changes each month. But, oh, my goodness, this could never have happened at an, in another age or time. So this is this is all stuff. And you had so talked about before this all being somehow in service of a self-study because we are we are the lighthouse. I love that that image now. But we are also, you know, the thing coming into the lighthouse. We are not just the thing that is showing the safety of where you're going, but we are the thing that is also arriving. So in the service of all of this, we have programs coming up that we would love to have you come live. We have something in the works that's going to be a little hybrid. So stay, stay tuned. That's a little ways off. But for June, especially save the dates. June 17th is going to be our DYE, our Discover Your Excellence. And you'll find out what that's about as it gets closer. And the 24th and 25th, I believe it is, we are leading a two-day retreat, place to be determined, and we are building the program now. But it is all in service of this belonging of coming together, of resetting its spring. Spring brings along with it a natural poetic renaissance, this rebirth. And so we get to move from the season of winter into the season of spring together. And not too long after that, it's going to be summer. I mean, by the time we get to the retreat, it will be summer, but um, we'll celebrate all of it. So we did Rhythm and Rhyme last year too. And it was our first, was that our first, no, anecdotal in action, our first anecdotal in action was our porch party, which was also a lot of fun. We had such a good time at uh, the bookstore in Yardley, the uh, commonplace reader. But for this coming up in June, it is, per I mean, I just love June weather. Yes, we're going to be outside. We have so many exciting things. I love being out in nature and the healing powers of nature. So there'll be some of that in this retreat. But definitely, if you're thinking to yourself, oh, my God, I would love to be part of that collective or oh, I feel so stressed out. I really could use a retreat. If you know that it is time to kind of restore and reset for these new seasons that are coming up, work your calendar and stay tuned. Watch your newsletter too. Yes, this is all about community. We want to grow and things are growing and people are connecting. And who doesn't want an extra place to feel like they just belong for showing up? I know. I know it probably won't be warm enough for us to get our pool out. Not <laughs> June, in June yeah, but it's going to be 80. Be. It's going to be yeah. 80 something in a couple of days. It could be really hot. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Until next time. Until uh, next time. Later, uh, babies. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening, for rating, reviewing, and subscribing to our channels and other stuff. Thank you for inspiring us to have these conversations and to create contemplative live experiences that move our bodies, hearts, and minds to the rhythm of our highest selves. Thank you for showing up. Feel free to send us your stories, questions, and comments to anecdotalanatomy at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank our amazing editor, Judith George, Keith Kenny for our fun music, 
and Cindy Fatsis for our photos. Journey with us as we continue down the roads of discovery, taking the detours and meeting the mysteries. You are our why. See you next time. Thank you.